Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you'll be uplifted, empowered and revived by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ram Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website, ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now let's get into this week's message. today. Hope you're ready for the Word of God. I'm going to be speaking from Luke, so uh, I'll, be, I'll be looking at a few passages. So if you want to just turn to Luke uh, 3. Um, I'm just going to get something sorted here. <clears throat> just going to pray. Father, thank you for your Word. Thank you for Ram Church. Thank you for those that tune in online and this community you're building in this city. Thank you for uh, the prophetic words, the journey that we've been on. We thank you for everything that you're going to continue to speak to us as a church that we're going to continue to follow. Uh, Father, this morning I ask that you'd uh, give utterance uh, to communicate uh, the heart of God, but also I ask that you would awaken our hearts in a fresh way. You would infuse us with uh, fresh vision, fresh passion, revelation, um, and bring transformation in us, Lord, uh, this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, it's always an honor to speak at Ram Church. It's been a while I've spoken, I think. Uh, yeah, anyway, thank you, Pastor Joe, for entrusting with the microphone. Uh, I'll try not to say anything offensive. <laughs> I'll definitely try not to swear. <laughs> Uh, well, it's good to be with you. I've had a very busy week and lots going on, uh, but amazing things happening in our city. Um, this, uh, what I'm going to be speaking on this morning, it's, it's come from several conversations over the years I've had with several believers. And, uh, you know, I came a bit later this morning because, you know, having a young family, pregnant wife, getting out of the house is not the easiest. So um, I was just giving uh, Pastor Joe an update, what I'm feeling to share. And uh, I said something along the lines of, a lot of times, people that are not in the stream, you see, in the body of Christ, you have different streams, and they're not wrong. Uh, I see it as the 12 tribes of Israel, where they have different emphases and manifestations of the Spirit uh, in different tribes. And you have to grow uh, in, in your walk with God to have a large heart where you can accept people as part of the family of God, the brother family of God, but you may not necessarily have the same spiritual DNA and makeup as them. Am I making any sense here? And so it's good to be in a place where you can appreciate that God is at work in the world beyond what you're doing and beyond what you're involved in and that it's not just limited to your perspective and I remember some years ago I heard Bill Johnson share something I thought was amazing just about theology and how oftentimes in the church we kind of break up based on disagreements on certain aspects of the faith and um, and the way I kind of see that is as long as we have a primary basis of agreement especially about who Jesus is and uh, how our relationship to the Godhead and all that, as long as we have a basic 
agreement at that level, I think we are actually in the same family because we are agreeing with the fact that he's our Savior, he's our Lord, he was born of a virgin, you know, he came to uh, deliver us from our sins, you know, he, Jesus is not created, being he was God, he was in the beginning, you know, all these basic tenets of our faith. As long as we're in that boat together, you realize that when we start to go into all the nuances of theology, and you know, some people believe, oh, speaking in tongues is wrong, and some people think maybe they know that speaking in tongues is not for everyone, and you start to have all these nuances, and people start to have different opinions. I have come to the place where, because I went to university, and uh, when I was at university, I was part of the Christian Union there, and. I realized that uh, there were lots of Christians that loved God that did not have my belief system. Uh, and so it was very good for me to interact with them. It was very good. In fact, I made very good friends. It really challenged my faith, actually, because I started uh, uh, going deeper in Scripture uh, because I was questioning what I had been brought up with. And I had to start to find God in a way that I could defend my faith. And it wasn't, oh, this is why I always heard at church. Oh, my pastor said this. So it, it became a conviction. But in that place, I also started to have my heart expand, where I realized these people, even though we don't have the exact same belief system, I know they're my brothers and my sisters in Christ. So I can journey with them, and I understand that they may have a slightly different emphasis to me, but I don't develop a heart of hatred or a heart of I am better than you, because I have this mindset that my theology and my walk with God is a work in progress because as, as you encounter God, in fact, as you grow in God, you realize there are things you didn't know before, and in fact, there are things you knew previously that need a bit of adjustment. Are you tracking with me? This is an introduction. Myself and uh, Pastor Joe were in Israel, and we met this great archaeologist guy who is like one of the top in the world. And uh, he was talking about learning and growing. And I think one of his professors, he read a book from one of his professors uh, uh, earlier when he was still coming up. And this professor or this kind of influential person wrote something in that book. And some years later, he heard this professor speaking and they were saying something completely different. And so he went to them and says, well, what you're saying here doesn't match what I read in that book. And you know what the professor says to me? He says, I wrote that when I was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it says, I need to have room to grow. So you got to realize as you walk with God, things shift and things change, things grow. But the basic tenets of our faith remains the same. Now I'm saying all that to say, as I've journeyed in my faith, I've come across certain believers that look at the way I express my passion. Look at the way I journey in God and use a word that you've heard a lot of times, James, I, I think you're striving. <laughs> James, I, I think it doesn't take all that. Just, just chill out. In fact, this is the theology that comes to me. Jesus died on the cross, and he said it is finished. So all you need to do right now, James, is rest in the victory of the cross. So you rest in that victory, and you just receive. That's what you just just chill out and receive. There is no need for all the intensity. Why do you need to do all the fasting? Jesus did all that for you. Just chill. Why, why do you need to do all the prayer? He is broken through. Do you see where I'm going with this? Now, I don't dislike those believers that believe that. They're my brothers and sisters, but I don't believe that. 
Because as far as I'm concerned, in fact, that's, that's kind of where I'm starting this morning. The fact that Jesus said it is finished on the cross does not mean you are finished or he's finished with you. Maybe this story might help, actually, before I go into Luke 3. Um, some time ago, I was doing this uh, 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 Zoom meeting. This was during the COVID period with some footballers. And uh, they were, uh, it was, it was like, like the professional footballers. And, you know, I did some teaching with them. And so we had a Q&A. And some of them were asking questions and all this stuff. And one of them asked me a question that some of you in here probably can relate to. He said, you know what? I've just been feeling this passion to go deeper in God and seek him. But when I start to fast and pray, I don't want to be in a place where I've, I'm kind of striving. But at the same time, he says in that time, I felt like God was revealing to me what it means to enter into his rest. And he says, I don't want to be in a place where I am resting, but also being spiritually lazy. <laughs> so it's, what is the balance between not entering into a place where I feel like I'm trying to earn something, but at the same time, not being in a place where I'm spiritually lazy and not engaging. Any, anyone understand that struggle here? So what I, what I said to him, I really believe was an inspiration, and that's where I want to start this morning. The finished work of the cross provides the platform for the current work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus finished. He is part on the cross. But the fact that he said it is finished does not mean that's the end of everything the Holy Spirit wants to do on the earth. Because the Holy Spirit is still working right now, and it's still working in you. And you see, this is what uh, Leonard Ravenhill said, and I had to write this down because I thought it was really interesting. When there is something in the Bible that churches don't like, they call it legalism. And so we often have a way to put in boxes things that we're like, oh, you know, I don't like it. Why, why, why is all the, all the energy? Why are you giving a lot of effort to something that seems like it's so easy for us to receive? And what I want to do this morning, part of my assignment, is to give you some perspective of understanding why as a church we are intense. We call you to worship in the way we call you to worship. We call you to pray in a certain way. We call you to fast in a certain way. We don't believe you can earn anything from God per se where your fasting and your prayer is going to earn all that stuff from God. I hope you realize that because your righteousness are like filthy rags. And actually, it is true that it's already done, just like it is true in Ephesians 1, that God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing everyone say every, every. say every. every every means i've not looked in the greek but i'm sure it means every <laughs> every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places have you ever seen a man or woman of god operating a gift of the spirit and move of god you're like oh i would love to move in that i would love to carry the presence in that way well ephesians 1 says you've been blessed with every now if we're all honest with ourselves right now are we walking in every so there is a theology and then there's a reality. So we believe that we've embraced with every, but for that every to translate into our lives, there is a work of the Holy Spirit that takes place. And some Christians don't realize by buying into false theology that your action 
is striving. Now, I'll come to the striving part in a sec. Or that your action is you trying to earn something. Buying into a wrong ideology actually causes them to hinder the full manifestation of that which they've already been given. In the same way we know, you know, you know I've got a two-year-old, and the things that I could give her or the things that she could have as her inheritance because she is my daughter, but it doesn't mean she's mature enough to walk in it until she grows to a certain age in maturity. But that process of maturity, actually, a key word, a key word is responsibility. Are you with me? Having said all that, let's come to Luke 3. Luke 3 says this, Luke three twenty one. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. I don't know if you've ever noticed this poem I'm about to read. By the way, I'm reading from the New King James. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus was also baptized. Notice this next words. And while he prayed, while he prayed, only the gospel of Luke records this significant part of this story that many of you know. While he prayed, look at what happened. He says, the heaven was opened. So his prayer on earth was causing something to happen in the heavens. Are you tracking with me, church? Elijah prayed and fire fell. Solomon prayed and fire fell. So for something of the sort of fire or open heaven or those kind of things to take place, something must leave the earth. Jesus, actually, it wasn't Jesus, in James. James says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The responsibility is on me to make a step. Now, yes, I know that he has made a step. He came, he died for our sins. However, if I want to go deeper in God, Listen, you would have to journey. And you've probably heard me say this before. It's worth putting that here as well. Hebrews, it says, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Uh, uh, what's it? it says, for anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. So listen to that carefully. Anyone who comes. So that denotes the fact that whoever is coming has to journey. You have to journey from point A to a certain place in the spirit. It's not a physical journey. It's a spiritual journey that mirrors the pilgrimage of Abraham. Because he was on a journey. He was on a search spiritually. I, I, church, are you listening to me this morning? Am I making sense? So in the garden, God visited Adam. Came to Adam in the cool of the day. Came to Adam in the cool of the day. It's, when you read it, it seems like that was something that happened regularly. Okay, there was a pattern. There was a rhythm to God's visitation. Okay, so when God came one day and Adam wasn't there, you know what God said? Adam, where are you? God didn't say, Adam, how are you? God wasn't asking Adam, asking Adam how he was feeling in that moment. God was looking for Adam's consistency in showing up in that place. So you're like, oh, I don't feel good this morning. I'm feeling depressed. I'm not going to pray. 
Oh, I've, I've just had an argument with my wife. I'm feeling a bit down. I don't think worship is for me this morning, even though I know that the scripture says, make it right with your wife first. So do do that. Get it right with your wife and then worship. Oh, you know, I'm feeling like finances are not going good today. Things are just going very difficult. You know what? I, I, I can't really engage with spirituality right now. I, I'm just going to disconnect and stay at the back and just fold my arms and just look. So your basis of engagement in spiritual activity is based on how you're feeling. But God is not asking how you're feeling. He's asking if you're going to show up. <laughs> because he's showing up. Is like, are you there? So in the book of Genesis, you read about God coming to Adam. But you never read about Adam journeying to God. So now in the New Testament technology that we have, we are actually expected to journey. And Abraham captures that model of spiritual pilgrimage. He journeyed. He raised altars. He was seeking something. And he was following God in the same way we're called to journey to God. And in that process of journey, you find that God calls us into different places in prayer, different dimensions of prayer, different experiences with him. So here Jesus is, Jesus himself is about to enter into a new phase of ministry. Jesus's ministry uh, was about to start. You see, this is not even my message, what I want to say right now, but I have to say it because it amazes me that the Son of God, God in human form, came on earth to do something. And you know what he didn't do? He didn't just start his ministry disconnected from the current move of God in that season, in that moment. If anyone had the authority or you want to call it the clout spiritually to just show up and do something, it was Jesus. If you can't trace a man or woman of God to another man or woman, you're probably going to trace them to the devil. I am concerned about prophets, men and women of God that just show up out of nowhere. Who, who have you sat under? Who has discipled you? Who are you accountable to? Because we live in an age where the internet prophets and all kinds of stuff online, and you can just log on and listen to whoever. I want to tell you, test the spirit of what you're listening to. The fact that it seems right and even maybe accurate does not mean it's the spirit of God. I hope you're with me. Because this is not what I plan to teach on, but when I was praying and preparing, this thought did come to my mind. Acts 16. Acts 16. When the apostle Paul was going out to preach, or he was going to the place of prayer. You know what he says when he was going to the place of prayer? A lady uh, possessed with the spirit of divination, also known as the Python spirit. You look it up. This lady got possessed, and she started to prophesy to him. So, if you, if you break down this story, you realize she did this for many days. Everyone say many days. So she didn't do it for one day. She didn't do it for two days. She did it for many days. So it means she was following Paul around. Are you with me? If she was following Paul around, she also ended up in the prayer meeting. <laughs> she ended up in the prayer meeting. You would think someone possessed by spirit of divination will not be drawn to prayer meeting. They are very much drawn to prayer meetings. Because there they can exercise their prophetic gift. 
And she was prophesying accurately. These are the servants of the Most High. There is no way you can theologically prove her wrong. No way. So the only way you can know that what she's saying has something wrong with it is if you're sent high in the spirit. Where whatever she's functioning by cannot exist, then you can discern that that word was theologically right but spiritually wrong. You know, you're going to have people speaking accurate things from the platform, on YouTube, prophesying, but the spirit is wrong. So as a believer, you need to be so careful what you're taking in. And you see, this is the crazy thing. This spirit was attacking Paul, he says, for many days. So the apostle Paul, the great man of discernment and move of the spirit, he didn't even realize. <laughs> On the one moment, something hit him. I want to say to you, don't be ignorant to the fact that there is activities of the enemy lurking around your life. And I'm not here to make you feel scared. It's just the reality of spiritual warfare. And by the way, when I say spiritual warfare, I don't mean there's a demon in the cup of tea. There's a demon under your bed. There's a demon in this. There's a demon in your notepad. I'm not demon hunting here. Oh, by the way, because, you know, I speak a lot in uh, white congregations, Church of England sometimes, and uh, they don't hear things like this. And so I said this at the ramp. They don't hear, oftentimes they don't hear things like this often, let me put it that way. So I said this at the ramp in the U.S. And I want to make this bold statement in case you haven't realized. Demons are real. Angels are real. Hell is real. Heaven is real. You just have to get over it. So if I'm talking about witches and wizards and activities of darkness, it's not because I want to just focus on darkness. I want to spiritually educate you. To be aware that you are in a battle. You're in warfare. And it will, be, it will be wrong of me to have you come to church and you just hear all the things that make you feel good and align with your Western ideology and philosophy of society without realizing there's another world at work. And until you begin to see things with the eyes of the spirit, you're going to be spiritually dull. One of the reasons why many of us are lacking spirit of discernment is because we don't pray. Are you with me? I'm going to get back to Luke in a moment. <laughs> so Jesus started his ministry connected. He connected to the current move of God in that season. He didn't just blow up at some corner over there and start preaching. He aligned with John. And even though he didn't need to submit, he submitted to John's ministry by being baptized by John. To fulfill all righteousness. And somehow you think you've got a call from, of God on your life. And you're not going to submit to authority. And you just want to jump out and start a church over here. Or jump out and start a meeting over here. And just do whatever. You see, this is what's bringing a lot of disorder in the body of Christ. Because some people just start things anyhow. And no one can tell them anything. And they've started. And they may have even started with a right heart. But the way things work in the spirit is you can start in the spirit and end in the flesh. You can start right with the authentic manifestation of the gift of prophecy and eventually end up with a spirit of divination. I don't know if we have time to go there this morning. <laughs> have I gone too deep already with, with all this stuff? Listen, these things do happen. The people coming to the meeting started out with the authentic manifestation of the spirit of prophecy 
But they didn't know that at some point, the, the prophet switched channels. They didn't know that because the prophecy kept coming. They were not high in the spirit enough to realize the prophet has switched into the flesh. And somehow they started to partner with another spirit. Even the prophet was not fully aware. And now another spirit is at work. And people are deceived. They're not even aware of what's going on. But one of the things that I believe stops that from happening is right alignment. Submission to authority. And I'm going to keep stressing this because I see many believers who have the call of God on their life. And they want to start a ministry. They want to start a, a prayer group here. They want to start this over here. And I'm like, who have you submitted that to that's over you spiritually? I remember I was in Wales recently, and I, I, I heard a, a tragic story of, you know, some person who, you know, you know, maybe, I don't know, they heard a teaching about authority, and, you know, we have the authority in Jesus' name, and so they identify a witch's coven, and they decided, God didn't leave them, they decided it was time to go there and pray and come against all that stuff. I hope you realize it's like an umbrella. You, as long as you're under the umbrella, you're protected from the rain. The umbrella is a sign of God's authority. If God is not leading you and you lead yourself, you're exposed and not under his covering. You know what happens then? They ended up insane. It's not that the activity they did was wrong. The activity is right if it's being empowered and being led by the Spirit. So you could have the right thing, but not done in the right order, and it could lead to disaster. In fact, you may have heard me say, the right word in the wrong season can be disastrous. Just like Abraham hearing about killing Isaac. If he did not carry on listening to God, he would have killed the promise. So it was the right word, but then he had to keep listening. God could say go and God could say stop. So there is an order to the way God functions and we have to be a people of order. Someone say order. Uh, we had a revival, uh, we had uh, some revival night meetings, and on the third night of revival night meetings, I got up to speak. In my mind, I was going to preach one message, but as I started speaking, it was a completely different message, and it was about this very thing, order. And honestly, I don't even know how I got into it, but I got into this, and I knew it was the emphasis of God, because I was speaking so strongly, especially to believers that were just in the business of church swapping. I'm coming for you. If you were at the meeting we had on Wednesday, it was full of Nigerians. And somehow, it seems like God has me say things for the congregation. Because there were some hard things I said. And I said to the people there, I said these same things in another Nigerian-filled congregation. And they got so mad at me, they didn't give an honorarium to me. I said, you've come to this meeting I'm hosting, so I'm going to say what I feel God wants me to say. You just have to sit there. If you want to leave, feel free to leave. Christians that are just church swapping. Now, my, I'm not really going into that today. That's, that's not my emphasis. But I want to point you to just a lack of order. If you just came here, are you called here or did you lead yourself here? If you're called here, it means you're supposed to submit to God's authority of this house. And you don't leave this house unless you're sent. Or it's clear God is calling you out. Because if God has called you here, I guarantee you, you're going to have opportunities to be offended. 
But Christians that are just in the business of church swapping, they get offended here. You know what happens? They look for the next church down the road. And then when something happens that they don't like over there, they look for the next church. If we're going to build an army, we have to have a camaraderie that goes beyond you've just offended me. You said something I don't like, so I'm going up. Listen, that's why I came to church. Offend my flesh to reveal my heart. Pastor Joe, Pastor Stacy, tell me the truth. Don't just, just, don't just make me feel nice. I'm not here for you to just pamper me. I want to grow. So if I'm going to grow, then there has to be a revelation. There are times I've sat there in church and Pastor Joe have said something about, oh, that's really good. Oh, I can see where I need to shift. That is what I want. I don't just want to come and say, oh, you're, you're good. Oh, you're blessed. You're highly favored. Arise. And, you know, so what? Oh, what? <laughs> Thank God for prophetic words. I'm not demeaning that because the prophetic word is there to encourage and equip. I understand that. But I am saying, as a church, we need to start to mature now. You need to ask yourself, if you're visiting, is God calling you? If you've been here for a few weeks, is God calling you? And if God's calling you, are you submitted to God's authority in this place? Or are you just doing whatever you want to do? And I'm not trying to say for every single decision you need to make, you need to call Pastor Joe. Oh, I want to go to Birmingham. You see the will of the Lord? I'm not talking about that. Some people take it to that extreme as well. <laughs> Called heavy shepherding. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just godly principles. Like relationships. Oh, um, I'm feeling the Lord is uh, stirring my heart about this person. Uh, and I, I want to pursue this relationship. Did you actually think you needed to speak to spiritual authority about that? I think it's important. Yeah. Hey, Pastor Joe, I'm really feeling about this. Can you pray? What, what do you feel? Does this bear witness with you? Because if you just go by your own emotions... You know your emotions can deceive you? That's why we have a community to check. Is this really God? I still check. Rebecca, I'm feeling this. Does this align? Does this agree with what? We still have to check with each other. You cannot do your Christian faith in isolation. You need community. And Jesus started with order. And when he started, oh gosh, I've lost track of time. Where are we? <laughs> and when he started with order, he gives us a pattern in which I believe he wants us to function in. He started with prayer. He, as he was praying, the heavens opened as he was praying. You see, prayer has a way of opening up things that are closed up. Prayer has a way of accelerating things in the spirit. But you know what? That's not really where I'm going. And I'm going to get to where I'm going because of time. The, as, you, know, you know the story. The heaven, it's not a story. It actually did happen. The heavens did open. And the spirit, the Holy Spirit descended and, uh, and bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. Okay, so let's go to chapter 4 of the same book. Look for chapter, uh, Luke, yeah, Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards when, they, afterwards, when those days were ended, he was hungry, and the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to turn to bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. So here you have Jesus starting his ministry with the right order of alignment, and then he's receiving the affirmation of the Father God 
And the Father God is speaking some really significant words that's, that's reinforcing and establishing his identity, the foundation of his ministry. And listen to what the Father God says. This is my beloved son, and I am pleased with you. So if the Father was to say that to any of us right now, as in if you were to hear the audible voice of God saying that to you, this is my beloved daughter and I'm pleased with you, and people around could hear that as well, you will feel pretty good. That's a, it's like, oh man, God, God is pleased with me. Well, how is it that God said something that made Jesus feel so good in one moment, and then the next moment it leads him into the most intense season of his life so far? No food for 40 days. <laughs> Have you tried that? <laughs> You know, if you're in here and you have a problem with talking, in other words, you just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. I want a challenge to go on a three-day fast. No food, no water. Dry fast for three days. On the third day, I guarantee you, <laughs> there will be no strength to talk anymore. Because <laughs> fasting is one of the ways you, you, you quieten and discipline the flesh. So, Jesus is being led into the wilderness. And, you see, if you read this carefully, you see that. It says he was filled by the Holy Spirit. He returned from Jordan. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was going to be tempted. So, what you don't read there is God commanded him to fast. So, he was led into the wilderness and there was temptation waiting for him. What I, this is just my assumption or what I think. He discerned the season he was about to step into was going to be a season of testing. And because he knew to survive that season, he had to be spiritually strong. He decided to make sure that he starved all the entry points for feeding the flesh. So that the only valve open in the spirit realm was that which was feeding his spirit. And when he went into the place of temptation, he was definitely going to win. Because he was going to shut down the flesh to fill up the spirit to be strong in it. Are you with me? So he was not just praying. So this is, this is a slight difference between prayer and fasting. And fasting, you choose not to be influenced by the spiritual atmosphere around you because the enemy of our soul he thrives on the flesh the flesh is how he influences and how he works and you know he works through the, the the flesh and so because you don't want to be influenced by the works of the flesh you're fasting to minimize and to shut down the influences of the spiritual environment you're in. Are you tracking with me? So fasting is one dimension where you shut down those influences. And then in prayer, you change the atmosphere. Are you tracking with me? In fasting, you stop the atmosphere from influencing you. In prayer, you change the atmosphere. So the prayer and the fasting go together. Now... The intensity of Jesus' engagement in this activity is actually baffling when you pull that into the theology that many of us have today in the body of Christ, which says any kind of energy requiring spiritual activity is striving. Jesus 
Okay, let's just ask the question. Was Jesus striving? Jesus was obviously not striving because he is perfect theology. He is reflecting to us how we're meant to live. So Jesus went into fasting and Jesus was obviously praying, not because he was trying to earn something from God. Because the father had already said to Jesus, I am pleased with you. You are my beloved son. So the father said to Jesus, it's already settled. Jesus, you don't need to do anything to earn my love. If Jesus doesn't need to do anything to earn God's love, why is he fasting then? Because he's preparing himself for the season of temptation. (laughs) He wasn't fasting to earn anything. He was fasting to be rightly positioned for when the tempter came. Have you noticed Jesus said this himself? He said, pray, lest you fall into temptation. Jesus didn't say, pray so that you would avoid temptation. So he's acknowledging that it doesn't matter who you are, temptation is going to come. How you get through that temptation is not the prayer you pray during the temptation. Because he said, pray lest you fall. So the prayer he's asking you to pray is way before the temptation comes. Because the prayer helps you to influence the environment around you in such a way that, one, your spirit is strong and you're able to resist. So Jesus, being in the desert, fasting and praying, was not striving. Listen, this is critical. He was engaging in spiritual activity from the platform of love. He was secure in God's love for him. Because the father said, I love you. So he was secure in that. And then he fasted. He becomes striving if he wasn't secure in that. And he was engaging in the spiritual activity to earn God's love or God's approval. So listen, you could have two people fasting and praying. And they could both look the same. One could be striving and one could be in the spirit. You can't use the activity to judge if it's striving or not. You use the heart posture to judge if it's striving. So you could start out securing God's love and you could gravitate into the place where you're trying to earn something. So you have to settle in yourself. And because oftentimes I tend to talk about prayer and fasting, I say to people, if you choose to pray, if you choose not to pray after this meeting, and you're like, oh yeah, the crazy black guy at the church was shouting at us, I don't want to do this prayer thing anymore. God doesn't stop loving you because you choose not to pray. God is, God's love doesn't stop the moment you're like, you know, I don't want to pray anymore. <laughs> that love is still consistent. However, your ability to enter into the fullness of that and your ability to be entrusted with things of heaven diminish. But it doesn't mean God stops loving you. And I've often said it, God loves you, but God doesn't always trust you. <laughs> because the trust requires a process. You have to go through something which Jesus went through. He was going through. So we need to establish that, that uh, um, what's it called? That basis that we work from the place of love and not from the place of trying to earn it. That's why when we come to church on a Sunday morning or we come to a prayer meeting, we are going to give God everything. We're not trying to, 
work ourselves up into some emotional frenzy so that God would then answer us. We know that we have already been accepted. However, because we have been accepted, that becomes our basis for the spiritual activity we're engaged in. Let, this illustration would explain this a lot more. Uh, you know how parliament is, is, is uh, set up in that in parliament, the laws are made and then the laws are passed. And once something is passed, it becomes law. The fact that it becomes law does not mean it's obeyed everywhere in the land. For example, smoking. The places where it's forbidden to smoke, it's against the law to smoke. So it's a law, but you have people that will disobey the law. Okay? Let's just make that, let, let's just um, compare that with scripture. Okay? Jesus said it is finished on the cross, destroying the works of darkness. And so when we pray, we pray from that finished work of the cross. We pray from the place of victory. The fact that Jesus said it is finished does not mean the enemy is not rebelling against that victory. In your family, for example, you probably have family members that don't know Jesus. You probably have people that are close to you that are under the oppression of darkness, and you know that's demonic. But I guess Jesus said it's finished. So the law is passed in parliament, but the law is not obeyed everywhere. Because the law is not obeyed everywhere, guess what needs to be introduced? Law enforcers. As a Christian, part of your job is to be a spiritual law enforcer. So Jesus said it is finished. You don't just chill out and go, well, he said it's finished. You have to take charge of those demons that are trying to rebel against the victory of the cross and command them to get out. And that process can look intense. But it's not striving when you do that. You're standing in the victory of the cross and enforcing that victory in situations. And if you don't do that, the enemy is going to, if you're, oh, I'm just going to rest, I'm just going to rest. Listen, the enemy is going to keep riding over you and doing whatever he wants to do. All because you're not going to take up your authority and fight. Are you with me? Let me wrap up because I, I, he said I'm good. And I'm conscious some of you are like, I want to go home and eat. So maybe God is asking you to fast. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, not, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Okay, I, I, I'll wrap up with this, uh, with this uh, part. Uh, so Jesus goes into the desert. He's tempted by the enemy. Uh, and obviously, we know he responds to the enemy and says, uh, man shall not live by bread alone. Notice the temptation. Oh, this is so good. Notice the temptation that Satan brings to Jesus. It's obvious that Satan must have been aware of what just happened to Jesus. And listen, the words of the father was, this is my beloved son. The words of Satan to Jesus was, if you are the son of God. Do you notice a massive word missing in the Satan, Satan's temptation to Jesus? Do you notice the word missing? Beloved. <laughs> Satan didn't tempt Jesus and says, if you are the beloved. He doesn't even want you to know that you're loved. So he's going to miss that out and now try to twist what God has said and try to tempt you to step into another administration of the flesh. Jesus was called to function from the spirit. So Jesus responded straight away to the enemy uh, with a word from the Old Testament, I believe Deuteronomy, uh, uh, man shall not live by bread alone. Why would Jesus respond with that word? Because that word was already in him. 
he was already in that book. He was already, the scriptures were already in him. It wasn't kind of, you see, Jesus didn't say to Satan at that point, you know, Satan, leave me alone. He actually responded with the word of God. So for him to release that, that was already in him. Let me just take a sidetrack here. You'll be amazed at the number of believers that haven't read the Bible or don't read the Bible often and just rely on the pastor and the preacher to teach them the Bible. You know where I'm going here? You need to know what the Word says. From Genesis to Revelation. You might go, oh, James, that's a lot. Well, just take your time. You know, people do Bible in a year. That doesn't work for me. Find what works for you and get the Word in you. And when you start to get the Word in you and you start to read the Scriptures, eventually it starts to read you and it becomes a rhema. It becomes, that's what it's called. It becomes a, a personal Word. So a lot of what I preach comes from personal Things I have found in Scripture. Not because I just said I want to find something to preach today, so I'm going to preach it. It's come from my personal encounters in the Word of God. And that's the same way I believe God works with all of us. As we read the Word, something happens in us. So I wrap up with this first temptation. The temptation was to get Jesus to shift from his trust and his security in what the Father has said about him to a place of functioning in his own ability and in his own strength. So I want to ask you a question now. Was this a temptation to Jesus, yes or no? Could Jesus turn that stone to bread, yes or no? So track with me. Jesus could have turned that stone to bread, right? Imagine you were there and you saw him do that. What would you say? <laughs> You'd probably get out your phone and record it for Instagram. You probably want to share with a few friends. Come and see this man of God. Who has the power to turn stones to bread? That would have been the start, I believe, of the Stone to Bread Ministries International. <laughs> because we've never seen a man of God turn stones to bread. Now, we would have all been amazed without knowing that what he would have been doing would have been operating from a place of dysfunction. The dysfunction was the enemy wanted him to prove who he was by what he did. That can be striving. Proving that you're spiritual. Proving that you've got whatever. And so you want to stand on this platform and you want people to see you manifest whatever, but it's not that the gift is wrong. The motivation is, I am spiritual. You're in the flesh. Because you're coming up here. I'm not, I'm not necessarily pointing at anyone here. I'm just saying in general, you could be using the microphone to manifest your dysfunction. Because you're operating from a place of wanting to prove yourself as opposed to resting in who he said you are. When you rest in who he says you are, you're just able to go with the flow and he opens the doors. He leads you where he wants to lead you. He, op he just directs the steps of the righteous man are ordered of the Lord. I've seen that over and over and over in my life. So I wrap this up by saying, as a Ram Church, we're not going to stop fasting. We're not going to stop praying. 
And we're not going to do it casually. We're going to do it intensely. Because a casual approach to prayer is producing casualties. And this is the time where God is wanting us to be intense. Not because he hasn't given us all victory. Not because we're trying to earn it from him. Not because we're trying to prove ourselves to anyone. Because he loves us and because he's given everything, that is the basis through which we are going to give everything. So tomorrow he might call you to fast. Just make sure whenever you're fasting and whenever you're praying, your heart is rightly postured. You're not trying to earn it. You're just positioning yourself to align one in obedience, but to fully manifest everything he's made available to you. You're a law enforcer. You're called to manifest every spiritual blessing. And that process of fasting and prayer just aligns you to be like a conduit through which he can flow uninterrupted. Do you understand with me this morning?